and welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And we've got another patron request. We're going to be talking about Rise of the Dragon for the Sega CD as requested by Drew. But before we talk about that game, what have you been playing since our last show, Billy? Oh my god, well... That new Zelda got hold of me. I, I, it's 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 on two fronts. I, I'm I'm getting worked on one end and the other. Uh, I I'm trying to split my time uh, between the new Zelda, of course, which is tremendous. Uh, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, it is it's it's a Breath of the Wild plus. I, it definitely feels like a sequel, which is, is one thing I was kind of kind of worried about. It would it would just feel like a you know a, a DLC or something like that. But no, this is a a, a full ass game. Uh, it's got a lot of the systems from from Breath of the Wild in it, but it, it builds so much more upon that. Uh, and uh, this game, I think, has probably more freedom in it than any game I've played. Um, I, I, once you get Maybe the first hour under the way, out of the way, it just becomes all right, man. Go out there and figure it out, um, and that's what you got to do. And it, it has—I don't know if I've progressed much of the story at all because I'm just—I'm busy exploring. I mean, it's, it's one of those games where I, I got shot up in the air. I was running low on stamina, and I started hurtling down. So I just—I I crash landed, and it's like, ah, shit! I'm in damn Zora's domain. Who, who knew? Uh, so it's. It, just a lot of just kind of accidental discoveries throughout this game, which it just kind of makes it amazing. It makes just picking it up for 15 minutes, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, a lot of fun. You never know what you're going to get into. I've been playing that and uh, Street Fighter Six, a lot of that. I've got to sweat on there pretty hard if I'm if I'm going to give uh, old Jeremy a run for his money one day. Um, I, but I'm trying. I, I'm practicing up. Uh, yeah, I'm getting online and playing a little bit uh, and, and finding that I'm half decent, <laughs> not decent, half decent. I'll win one every now and then. Uh, and usually I'll quit after that because you want to go out on a high note. Uh, so I, I, less than playing online, I've just, you know, kind of been knocking out the, the little character stories they have throughout. And the, the that, that main... <laughs> I guess what is the story mode for this game? That that main thing where you you create your character and you you set out and it is just over the top. It's 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 fucking ridiculous that you're in a city full of people that are ready to fight at the drop of a hat. I'm, I've lived in some rough areas before, so maybe it's not that far fetched. But I, I'm I'm enjoying the story mode and just how over the top and how ridiculous it is. And I I feel like this is for the people that said this. Story mode of Street Fighter V was poorly written and ridiculous. And like, yeah, you think that's the best we can do? Here, have this. Because this is just, it's it's almost nonsense. But it's so much fun to play through. So yeah, between those two games, I I haven't had time to get much else in. Even though today I, I did uh, pick up the, the We Love Katamari re-roll. And played a couple levels of it. And it is Man, it's Katamari, and it's looking nice. Uh, it's got a nice little fresh coat of paint on it. I, I I think there's a lot of extras in this. I haven't got around to any of it yet. I just played a couple levels. But yeah, I I have enough. I have enough to keep me busy. And I've got Diablo waiting in the wings at some point. But uh, I, I'm going to wait until I'm a little further through these games before I pick that up. 
Well, I also picked up Zelda and Street Fighter Six. Uh, my experience mm-hmm. with Zelda is I've, I've enjoyed it so far. I literally just got through what I would consider to be the tutorial section uh, where you're mm-hmm. on the, the islands before you get back down to the mainland. I landed on the mainland. And I was like, all right, I'll get back to this. And I haven't touched it because I picked up Street Fighter Six, uh, which I've mm. been playing a lot of. Uh, I do like the world tour mode because it is basically um, all the the stuff in, in, Yak- in Yakuza that's not the game itself. So it's it's just wandering through the streets. People are fighting you for no reason with boxes on their heads, uh, and then I slowly learn moves. It uh, my only complaint with the the world tour mode is it doesn't really. I mean, if you've never played a Street Fighter, I guess it's great that it teaches you some simple mechanics and stuff. But like, I was looking for some better tips on what to do, and I think just going mm-hmm. to the arcade mode and mm-hmm. picking a character and going through the tutorial on that character specifically is far more useful for me. Um, but I still like the world tour mode, and I like that I can make my own avatar and then go have avatar fights with people uh, dressed like an absolute ass. So that's fun. I am enjoying that. But I did finish, uh, for the I think one of the first games I've actually finished this year uh, was Jedi Survivor. Uh, it's very, mm. you know, it's it's. I don't know if it, the first one was shorter than I remember it being. This game was shorter than I thought it was going to be, but then looking back, it seems to have as much area and as much to cover. I think I just got more dedicated to finishing it out. Once I got so far in the story, I just drove through the rest of the story. Uh, there's a lot of side quest stuff I did not do. And I'll go back and do it now because it's still... Um, in fact, some of those side missions and and like skill challenges are harder than the game itself. But I did want to see the story end. I wasn't quite sure where it was going to stop. I was very pleasantly surprised. I did get something spoiled. But even what I got spoiled wasn't quite what I thought it was. So it's okay. I was fine with that. Um, again, I highly recommend it if you like the the... Jedi uh, Fallen Order. This is really good. I'm hoping there's a third game in the series. It doesn't have to be one. The game gives you an ending, but it would also be really cool to have that character continue at some point uh, with some other, you know, kind of rebuilding the Jedi Order, or at least, you know, leading up to where Luke Skywalker does it, I guess, in whatever current canon is. But yeah, Street Fighter Six has been the bulk of my time trying to play, mm-hmm. play online. I've actually won a few games against random people, not even mm. like... Not even, uh, I mean, avatar fights, I don't count necessarily because you can bulk your health up. You can bulk your defense up. You can make it so your characters, you know, overpowered and find level one characters and stomp them. That's not quite as fun as learning how to play and still, you know, beating people who clearly have no idea how to play the game and have shown up uh, if I can beat them. But I still lose more often than not. I still, I, I probably like, you know, three and 50. Like my record's not great, but I feel really good that I've beaten some people and I'm, I'm learning JP because why not, right? I'm JP. I'll play JP. Uh, I may have picked a bad character because it doesn't really match the way I play the game in general, but I do like him. He's a neat character. So yeah, lots of that. But Jeremy, what have you been playing? Uh, basically the same thing. Well, as far as Street Fighter goes, that is what I've been playing for two weeks straight now. Ugh. And it's, it's, really really good like this is probably the most i've been in a street fighter in a long long time well i guess street fighter mm-hmm. 4 uh, but man even even then like it it didn't grab me like this one has and, and there's just so much to do you know it, it, that battle hub is hilarious on its own that's like the <laughs> one thing that i was like man this just i don't know about this like this just doesn't seem like it's going to hit you know like just having a regular versus mode or whatever i was wrong you walk into that thing any time of the day, and those servers are packed. Like, it's insane. And, like, it, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but PlayStation Home actually yes. had a, <laughs> a Street Fighter 4 room mm-hmm. in that, in that uh, you know, little the mm-hmm. PlayStation Home stuff. It was literally this, except, you know, yeah. you didn't, you couldn't, like, fight with your avatars and stuff like that. And it's, it's crazy that, you know, they saw the genius that that was PlayStation Home, and they were like, you know what? We missed this so damn much. We're just going to put it in our own stupid game. And they did. And that's what Battle Hub is, essentially. It's 
It's hilarious. I even if I don't want to fight anyone, I will just go in there and walk around to see everyone's stupid avatars and and <laughs> you know play some of the the classic games because they've got like high score challenges yes. on some of the arcade games and it's great and it, it's just fun to go in there and mess around. They did such a good job with that, but yeah, everything else about that game is just is, is top notch. Like World Tour mode is the most ridiculous thing I have played in so long. It, it just it's simple, it's fast, it's fun. You can get in there and basically do whatever the hell you want and and make some progress. And I love st- I love games like that. People say, well, you, you like this so much, you should play Yakuza. And I guess I should, because I've never actually played a Yakuza game. So, you know, if, if Yakuza is anything close to this, then I'll, I'll, I'll get on it. But as for what this is, I've, I went through all the way through World Tour mode, beat it, and just had a blast doing it. It can be tedious sometimes because it... There's certain missions where it's like, all right, you're here now. Come back when it's night. And, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. it literally mm-hmm. just going to a fast travel point, going to the hotel, and then traveling back again <laughs> to the the other fast travel point. Yeah, It's it's just, it's not even, you know, a mission. But little things like that aside, it, it is so much fun. And I, if you have any sort of interest in fighting games at all, especially Street Fighter, like it... it this is it. Like, I don't think you're going to get any better because not only is all this side stuff fun and just kind of hilarious, but like the actual fighting game itself, which is what you're supposed to be there for, mm-hmm. is is as good as it's ever been. Uh, before we move on, the arcade games that are in the the hub mode are great. They're the, they're Capcom classic arcade games. They rotate. Oh, yeah. So every day you come in and there's a couple different games. I think Street Fighter 2 has been there nonstop, but they've had Final Fight in there. They had Volgus. They had, yeah. uh, I think, Forgotten Worlds was there one day I was on. The original mm-hmm. Street Fighter. I've never played the original Street Fighter. After playing it once, I'll never play it again. But it's really cool <laughs> that it's there. Uh, and yes, I love the high score challenges. That's right up my alley. I didn't come anywhere near close, even the top 1,000. But it was fun to try to see how far I could get. But one game that is not, shockingly, on their arcade collection is, of course, Rise of the Dragon for the Sega CD, the game we're going to talk about right now. So as we mentioned at the start of the show, this is a patron-requested episode, and we have that patron on right now. Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, glad to be here. Now, I'm very excited that you picked Rise of the Dragon for the Sega CD. This is a game, um, I did not play it before this podcast on the Sega CD, but I'm very familiar with the game, and after we did our Snatcher episode, I was hoping we would eventually get to this. So I'm very excited. I don't know if the other guys have played this before, but when did you play this first, and did you play this originally on the Sega CD? So I did. I, I played this first on the the Sega CD, and I I remember actually buying this game off the the shelves. So we used to. This was probably ninety three, ninety four. I think uh, I think it came out for Sega CD in ninety three. So my mom would take me to Red Lobster because you know we were fancy. Oh yeah. And <laughs> actually, we would go between like three o'clock and four o'clock. Everything was like I don't know half off or something. Anyway, so <laughs> next door was the Toys R Us. So I hurry, I would hurry up and eat and I'd run over there with my allowance. And so I went in there and I was like, oh, what's this? I, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to buy it anyway. And it was cheap. So of course I was going to buy it. And so, uh, yeah, that's how I first came across it on Sega CD. Yeah, I had had it for Amiga, actually, but but it was a PC game before this. So much like a lot of the Sega CD games, we just covered Monkey Island, for example. It's another one that was a yeah. port of a PC game. So 
you know, I was I was like, I don't know how we're going to cover this. I guarantee these guys want to play it on Sega CD. So th- this is great. And I, you know, I've played enough of the Sega CD version so far to to know that it's basically the same layout as Amiga. It's exactly what I expected. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, our when you were when you were younger and bought this, did you immediately like this kind of point and click adventure game, uh, which most of the game is like, or or was this kind of a surprise and you expected more action from the get go? I didn't know. I really didn't know what to expect because the back cover doesn't give a lot. And at that point in time, I don't think we had a PC, so I had never experienced point and click adventure. And so actually, what this did is I was probably just used to playing like Sonic the Hedgehog and just Genesis stuff at the time. But so this actually like opened up a whole new door as far as like my interest. And I, I became a big point and click adventure fan after this. Yeah, I was I was the other direction where I had played a bunch of the older point and click games for a computer. But then, you know, once I played this, I was like, oh, this is cool. Because it also has these action scenes that there really weren't anything like that on mm-hmm. uh, on the previous point and click action games. I know there were some that did, but the ones that I had played didn't have that. Now, what I am surprised about now, and I didn't remember this from the time and, and perhaps... It's, I just blacked it out. Uh, I'm shocked my parents let me play this game. This is a very adult-themed game with some fairly <laughs> strong language and parts. It's not offensive, but, you know, if I would have been 12, 13 when this came out, which I, I would have played on Amiga about that age, I, I'm shocked my parents did not take this from me. <laughs> yeah, so I, I remember taking my Sega CD over to my uh, my grandmother's house, and I, I guess I was I was probably just an idiot, but so what I would do is at the beginning of the game, when you're in his apartment you can click on a stack of books that are near his computer. And it says something on the lines of book, books, books, books. What the hell am I going to do with all these books? Yeah. And my grandmother was a fairly conservative Christian, like, you know, very, very devout. And I would just play it over and over again just to annoy her. And that's terrible. I, I look back on it now. God rest her soul. She's not here anymore. But it's, it was, uh, I was an idiot. But I thought it was funny at the time. It's not. So other than uh, other than the fact that it was a, the first time you played a point and click adventure that made you you know grow into into that genre that maybe you didn't didn't uh, didn't appreciate before, is there anything else about this game that was like this is why these guys have to cover this that you thought of? I you know I I like the cyberpunk aesthetic and and I mean I think that that is 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 I don't know it's a it's a popular genre now especially it seems like but back then it was just like you know you you had a few things here and there and it was all so this game's like my first introduction to to that also but it also comes from the guys who did uh you know Willie Beamish uh mm-hmm. Dynamics did that and then they went on to do Heart of China which apparently is is pretty similar to this but but just a totally different type of setting uh, I just I know uh I know Billy tends to like the uh, the Sega CD stuff, and so I figured, why not? It's also my favorite, so. Yeah, it's, I had a lot of good Sega CD games that at the time I didn't appreciate how great uh, mm-hmm. my collection in general would have been for Sega CD, and I also had the TurboGrafx CD. So going yeah. back to revisit these things was like a joy that I know those guys may not have had as much time with, although Billy did also <laughs> have a Sega CD, so th- this will be fun. Right. Um, is there anything you do outside of the internet that you'd want to talk about, or on the internet that people could find for you if you're interested in sharing that? I, you know, I'm pretty boring. I, I don't do anything uh, necessarily creative. So if anybody wants to check out my absolutely normal life, I'm on uh, Instagram as West of Miskatonic. But other than that, I am uh, I'm just a regular dude. All right. Unless there's anything else you thought of about this game or, or in general that you wanted to say, I think we've got enough for the show. That, that sounds good. I, I'm happy to, to have gotten this contribution in. I, <laughs> I, I put it up a long time ago i think on the discord is a possibility or even when i joined the just the the lower level of patreon and then finally i was like you know what i have got to get on there i've got to jump up to the next level and get them to play this game 
Well, I thank the youth for doing so, because I'm looking forward to everyone else's opinions on it. I'm in. See ya. Now, this was a patron request, and we just heard from Drew, who recommended the game. This is one he played uh, back on the day, actually on Sega CD. Now, this was originally mm-hmm. a, uh, like, an, I had it on Amiga. It was on the PC. It was on the Atari ST. Uh, a couple years earlier, this came out for Sega CD in 1993. Uh, first, did you ever play this before? And if you did, did you play the Sega CD version before, or did you play it on another, uh, like, another system? I, I had played this before. I've only played this on Sega CD. Like I said, um, I, I've talked about it several times. Uh, I, I, I love the, God damn it. I love the Sega CD. Um, I'll go to bat for it endlessly. Uh, but it was one of those that my video store, unless you wanted to play night trap or sewer shark, uh, or, or ground zero, Texas, my video store didn't have much else for you. And not many people want to play those. Um, and my, my local store didn't either, but I remember every now and then we would head down to Danville, Virginia to, and, and, I've dated myself on here many times, so there's no no sense in worrying about it now. We head down to Hills Department Store, and they had at that time the the biggest electronic section I had ever encountered, and they would always have these, these Sega CD games I'd never seen. Um, and this was one of them. And I thought that the front looked pretty cool, the the back looked pretty cool. I had some allowance money under my belt. It was time to pick up a game. Um, so I picked this one up and it was one of those things where I, I didn't have a lot of Sega CD games. So I, I worked with what I had and I, this one didn't immediately grab me. Um, I, I, you know, I had played some point and clicks before, but I still wasn't that big on them. Uh, so this one was a little jarring getting into, but it's one of those I I stuck to because it was, it was one of the few Sega CD games I had. And as, as time went on, I, I really grew to love this game. Uh, hadn't played it in a long time um, until we reviewed this. So it was definitely one of those I was excited to get back to and kind of see where I stand on it today. I never played this one because I, I didn't have a Sega CD or any sort of computer for quite a while. But I, I remember seeing pictures of it in magazines, and I loved the art style. Like, it looked so cool. It's just got, like, this gritty kind of um blade runner kind of you know cyberpunk thing going on looks really really good in, in those pictures and i just remember the uh the guy melting cuz it just seemed like every single magazine that that game was in would would feature that one scene of uh you know we'll we'll get into it but there's a scene where you basically you're running out of time and this guy is literally melting on the floor <laughs> and mm. it's a, it's such a cool scene and, and like it was kind of like you know snatcher was was also more of an adult mm-hmm. you know themed game and and this one definitely was was in that territory as well it, it seemed like it was doing something that we didn't see very much of especially on the console so no i, I didn't play it but it always looked neat yeah, I, I had played this on Amiga originally, and I it had been years. I mean, that, it came out in 1990 for the Amiga, and I'm pretty sure, or 1991, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that I played it when it was fairly new, because it was before I had a Sega CD. So when I saw this was out for Sega CD, I thought, well, I already have this on Amiga, and, you know, the Amiga's, quote, a better system than the Sega CD is. I'm not going to get it for this. And I regret it, because I think this game adds all the voices. So the Amiga version, everything was text. It's a, it's a point-and-click adventure where everything you, you know, click on whatever it gives you a description, 
it, you know, like anything else. Well, this is set up where on the Sega CD where they constantly talk. Your character, whose name is Blade Hunter, former police officer that is now a private detective who's been hired by the mayor uh, because his daughter was found dead uh, after, like outside of a drug, outside of a, um, it's kind of a drug den dance club thing because she had an overdose. So, you know, he's, he's hired you to find out what happened to her and, uh, you know, try to, try to figure out what's really going on. What, what is this new drug that's killing people? So, hmm. uh, you know, as a kid, I, I thought this game was super cool because it had all these adult themes. The, the themes were, like you mentioned, the screen, the, the scenes where like people are melting. Uh, there's, there's actually a lot of language in this. It was all stuff that as a kid, I was like, oh, I shouldn't be playing this game. This is really cool. But I remembered something else about it that I, I don't think I finished it when I was younger. I finished it for this podcast. But I, I do remember at a certain point, it changes from this point and click adventure to an like a side scrolling action game. Now, as a kid, I remember that being the coolest thing ever, and just like, oh man, I got to get this game again someday because it has these side scrolling action sections. And I remember them being amazing side scrolling action sections. And we're gonna, I'm gonna play my hand again early. I don't think that's necessarily the case uh, in 2023, but not because you know some things are better now. I just think I was tainted by what that interest was. Yeah, it, it's definitely one of those games that was was very kind of atmospheric. It was, uh, I mean, this this kind of cyberpunk this kind of dystopian thing uh future where where apparently and i will mention where fucking apparently sears is still around <laughs> so i uh, th this future is going a little bit better than the modern times <laughs> um uh, no you've, you've got a nice sears jacket in this game i, I guess the fanciest one they have you've got several years worth you know that because there's a lot of detail about minute items in this game, uh, you, you you kick it off in, in this guy's apartment, which is, is some people would say it's tiny. I think the thing looks fucking comfortable as hell. I, I would live in this place. I would. I might clean it up a little bit, uh, but, but still, and uh, pretty much every item in there, I, I the apartment is kind of, I feel like a tutorial on, you know, basically click on all this shit. Some things you can work with, some you can't, but we'll probably have some, a description of every single thing. So I, it's a good way to kind of kick it off. It's kind of a nice, uh, you know, quiet start to the game. Uh, there's there's not really any rush to get out of there. You can completely exhaust everything in there as far as what you can equip, what you can wear, what you can take out with you. Um, you can kind of get a feel for the game. You can watch uh, a, a car advertisement from something where the, the person on the screen does not match the excitement of the voice at all uh you, you've got like the usual salesman voice and the, the guy on screen looks like he's fucking checked out it looks like one of the programmers they they picked up after a 16 hour day to sit there in front of a camera and then then like talk uh just little things like that but yeah to me at that time this this kind of setting was 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 amazing it was kind of groundbreaking to me then um, it, it, you know, it wouldn't be overplayed for a while. Um, and also I'd seen Blade Runner, which, which goes a long way. Uh, and I think it's obviously, you know, with a, a big inspiration, um, for this game. So it, it was kind of neat. And, and I was way into like kind of mystery detective type thing. So there were a lot of things about this game that, that instantly appealed to me. The, the only hurdle I had to get over initially was the, the pace of the game, which is is not the fast. I, this, by all means, is one of the quicker point-and-click games. I, this is not a long game um, 
by any measure, even if you want to really get out there um, and explore. Uh, but yes, I too, and uh, the, there may be some hand showing going on here as well, remember being enthralled with those shooting areas, and that that may not be the case now. That, that, that It really may not. Well, it's not just uh, a little bit like Blade Runner. Again, the character's name is Blade Hunter, but it, it very much is that that yeah. main character. And mm. to, to kind of go back to explaining how the game is set up, it's a point-and-click adventure where you don't see your character on the screen. Like in Snatcher, you didn't see your character on the screen, but in a game like like Monkey Island, we just covered a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. you would see your character walk around the screen, and you know at the bottom of the screen for that game, there were commands. That's how you decided what you were going to do. Uh, instead, this is strictly all controlled by you know what would be a mouse on a computer, but instead is the, the D-pad. Your A button will let you look at your inventory. It goes to a separate screen that you can kind of see your character on the side. That's the only time you can see your character uh, in these scenes is what they look like. And at the beginning, when you start the game, you're in your underwear. So you have to find clothes and put them up, you know, put them in your inventory and then drag them on your character and it changes into your clothes and stuff. Same with a gun. When you get a gun, you have to get put in your inventory and then drag it to your character so it hold the gun. But the, uh, so the A button looks at your inventory. The B button will be kind of be the inspect button. When you put your B, bu- your, your cursor over whatever and hit the B button, if your character has something to say, if, if Blade Hunter has something to tell you about the city, he'll tell you when you hit B, and he has his little speech he makes every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the C button is used to kind of select an item. So if you can push a button, or if you can turn a knob, or if you can grab an item that you can then put in your inventory, the C button will do it. Um, and then there's a little picture of your, of like a shadow on the right side of the screen, a little picture of the shadow of your character, like their outline, and you can drag items onto that if you don't want to open the inventory every time to automatically throw an item into your inventory. And that's that's it. You go from screen to screen like this. If you scroll off to the side of the screen or scroll on top of a picture of something that would be an exit, like a staircase or a, uh, a tunnel or a doorway, um, a little icon that says exit will show up, and they can go to another screen. Uh, unlike a game like, uh, again, Monkey Island, the... the uh, you're not really walking around the city necessarily. You instead, when you leave your apartment, you're taken to uh, an increasingly monotonous looking or menacing, let me try again, an increasingly menacing looking uh, picture of, you know, like staying outside of a subway. And every time you go to the subway, there's different people there. There's like a guy on the ground who's having some kind of OD. There are guys standing there with guns. Sometimes there's a gang there. There's fires. None of it actually matters. It just lets you see what's the terrifying city of the future looks like. Um, and then you go to other parts of the city. So at the start of the game, you have your apartment you can start in. Uh, so you go to the police department. You can go to the Pleasure Dome, you can go to your own apartment, and other things open up as the game goes on. You get to go to other, oh, an old warehouse, like other people's uh, other people's houses as you learn their information. You can go, go check out their houses and such, because you're a detective. So when you go to the police department, mm-hmm. one of the places you can go in the police department is kind of to the information center, where your girlfriend works, and she'll help you out. If you can find, like, oh, I need to know some information on Chuck Thompson, she'll tell you where Chuck Thompson lives, everything else. So then it'll open up on the map, and you can go see that person. Now, Chuck Thompson's not the case, because unfortunately, most of the people in this game uh, have uh, what are arguably offensively Chinese stereotype names, uh, mm. and, and argo- also yes. because they'll have voices, very offensive Chinese stereotype voices. Uh, you'll recall a couple weeks ago, I think I, I probably pulled one of those. Actually, it was a different podcast. Never mind, uh, but I did pull that off yeah, a couple weeks ago. Not on, not on here. <laughs> and I was like, I should not have done that. Uh, it made sense, though, because I was making fun of somebody who did that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't do that in 2023. It, they do it in this game, and it's okay, because... Uh, it, it matches the mood of the game and they aren't making fun of Chinese people. It's just bad impersonations of an, of an accent. Uh, anyway, once you kind of 
you know, get started, you'll notice you also have a clock on the on the screen. The clock will constantly tick down, and you do have a time limit. So you're saying you have all the time in the world to go through your apartment, and that that's kind of true. I mean, realistically, you have enough time to look at everything in your apartment. Yeah, but if you yeah. just start dicking around and going to all these places, eventually these meanwhile scenes will pop up, and you'll get little cinematics that kind of show you what's going on in the background mm-hmm. with this drug trade and all these other pieces of the story. If you take too long, you will lose. You will get you'll, you'll go play do something long enough where the the bad guys will get enough of their drug for whatever their ultimate plan is. Uh, that of course will involve summoning some ancient demon. Uh, all these games do, and uh, and they'll be able to take over the world by making drugs to summon a demon. If you take too long, so yes, you have a lot of time. Realistically, uh, unless you are completely new to these kind of games and completely not comfortable with point and click adventures, you shouldn't have any real problem time-wise getting to the end. Um, you mentioned this is a short game, and it is, but that's also because you can die many, many ways. And you can also make yes. mistakes that make the game arguably unwinnable. Uh, the game does give you three save slots. I highly recommend using all of them and kind of, you know, phase them in. First first save is first slot. Next time you save, save in the second slot. Next time you save, save in the third slot. And that way, if you realize later, like, oh, I made a mistake three saves ago, you're not starting from the beginning. Because while it's not mm-hmm. an incredibly long game, you still don't want to have to redo the same things over and over and over again because there's a lot of talking and some people don't like a lot of talking and there's no you can skip it but if you skip it you might not remember exactly what the cues are to go to the next scene because it's got a lot of you talk to people you hear what they're saying it's not written on the bottom of the screen and then you have to respond with a series you know a series of options you can give and depending on how you respond we'll we'll move that conversation forward or you know kind of get you stuck until you can figure out what that is they actually want you to say yeah I do want to quickly talk about just the visual presentation of this game because it's uh, it is a little bit different than what we were talking about in our I guess is previous. Did we just do two point and click episodes in a row? Did we do as a main show? Yeah, I think we did. Well, we did Monkey Island. Yeah, Monkey Island, but you know, not counting the bonus shows for the regular people out here <laughs> listening on Spotify. You mm. know what? I think they yeah they, <laughs> we just did two point and click episodes in a row. Um, but yeah, on our previous episode, I was talking about, um, you know, how th- that is that Monkey Island does such a good job of just drawing your eye to where it needs to be. It's definitely more of a cartoony, comic bookish kind of look to it, but everything about it is is designed in a way that it wants you to to kind of graze your eyes across the screen and and kind of see what you're you're supposed to see. This is the exact opposite of that. This is literally just a graphic adventure. Like it, it looks like a, a comic book, and you know that you're not moving around the screen like Jeremy said. And I think that for me, that takes a lot of the character away from these kinds of games. Mm-hmm. Um, I it even more so in this one than than what Snatcher did. Like the, this one feels so disconnected at times that it it really just kind of feels like you're playing um, a pixel hunt. You know, at at times mm-hmm. as, as far as just running the cursor around the screen, trying to, to find what you're looking for. And as a byproduct of, of this being on the Sega CD and kind of uh, pushing that art down to that, that resolution, because it's not as high resolution as it is on, on PC, it, it really kind of makes it even harder to kind of tell what you're looking at at times. Um, like the, the things that you're supposed to look at, look at are even more diminished due to that resolution. Um, and that was a thing for me for a lot of this. I, I'm not the biggest fan of these kind of like graphic novel adventures. I definitely prefer more something like Monkey Island or Grim Fandango, 
um, where where you have some presence in the world and you're not just you know a a weird camera or a you know a scene that an artist thought would look cool. Uh, but I wanted to ask you guys: do, Does that bother you at all? Like, do you guys care about if if you got somebody to wander around in a scene, or if it if it's something like this? I, uh, I it's a good question. When I, when I was talking earlier, like it, it took me a minute to get into this. I think that was probably um, kind of the main thing. Um, one, yeah, I, I was was familiar with point and click to the kind of the maniac mansion extent. Really loved it on the NES. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's I, I, I was used to having like some representation on there. Um, yeah, this one does. I think one of the early things to try to get over was, eh, it, it feels like I'm going, you know, kind of, kind of just scene to scene, you know, you're going through the, the, the panels of a comic book and you're just kind of, sometimes that there is a little bit of pixel hunting on this game and it'll, it, it, it it could wear you down. It could, <laughs> but yeah, this I think this is one of the first games where it just kind of felt like uh, you, you're you're. It's hard to, to sort of get immersed in this world. Like I like what I'm seeing. Uh, I, I, I like I was saying, I love the setting. Um, I think this game. Yeah, I, I've looked at it. Um, you know, on on PC and whatnot, it looks a lot better <laughs> than it does here. But somehow, I I do think kind of that that little graphical downgrade you know it it, it kind of works on here it gives it a, a little more grime to it um I, I i love all the all the bits of the presentation the sound everything um but yeah it, it, it's still at the end of the day it, it's it's hard to get immersed and it still feels kind of one of those just going scene to scene looking at the screen um you know kind of clicking everywhere till you figure out what they <laughs> what they want from you and and then moving on. So yeah, I I think there is a little trouble kind of getting immersed in the games like this because it it does feel like you're just kind of looking at a, a a picture and then you know kind of going going from there. Uh, but it's definitely one of those I I got over that as as I played through early on. You know, kind of got used to it. Have played other games like that over time. Um, and 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 it's it's not as big a gripe. But I can assure you that was like a, that was an early gripe I had. For me, it wasn't as big of a deal. One, because I knew what I was getting into, but also, you know, in at the time, this would have been a new game for me. That was a very standard graphic adventure style. There were the style of games where you walked around, like the Scum Engine games or the the Sierra Quest games, King's Quest and Space Quest and such, where you start your character. But there was this whole other realm of of adventure games that were just a still image, and then you didn't even get a mouse to click around. You had to actually type out on the screen, you know, almost like an Infocom adventure, but you'd see the picture, and you'd see, like, oh, the, in this case, if there's, like, a, a barrel, you'd have to type in, like, go look at the barrel, and maybe the, the picture changes to a closer picture of the barrel, and other times it would just be, like, the barrel isn't important, or it wouldn't even say there's a barrel. Uh, so this game where it actually didn't have that typing interface, and if it was something you could you could click on and it would talk, talk or give you a little window or whatever, uh, was actually an improvement in my eyes. I thought it was a lot closer to mm. what a game like Mist or something would kind of perfect a few years later, where with Mist, when you go from screen to screen, it actually moves your character around. You feel like it's a connected adventure, even though you're really looking at you know, a static screen that you're then doing some puzzles on. This is kind of the step between that and then ones that were literally just a picture and you typing. So I... I didn't mind that, but I can see if this wasn't the kind of game you would have played a lot of as a kid that now you might be a little, you know, a little, um, 
might might be a little difficult to get into, especially because Monkey Island is so good at what it does. For this, mm. for a graphic adventure kind of game, if I had to pick between a Monkey Island and Rise of the Dragon, then I, I'm going to go with Monkey Island because Monkey Island also is funny the whole time. Uh, it, it keeps you interested. It's it's got a a much more compelling like reason to wander around and find things. Mm. In this game, I felt like it was just because you also have the clock. You've also got the overall story that's a very like urgent feeling story. It, you, you don't want to waste time wandering around. Now, I, I do have to ask you guys. The game starts, you're in your apartment, and you can get dressed and leave your apartment and go wander around the city. And then you come back to your apartment and the door's locked. Did anyone have to figure out how to get your ID card at the very start of the game? Because you can't open your door without an ID card. There is a trick to opening your door if you don't no. have an ID card. But but I I spent, even though I played this before, the one thing I remembered is like, oh, that's right. You have to get that ID card. It's literally, mm-hmm. when you start the game, you see a little light flashing on the computer in your room. You go to your mm-hmm. computer. It's a vid screen. That's how you can kind of talk to people in the future. It's a video phone. Um, but then you have to actually click the eject button, and it will spit out your ID card that's used for everything in this future. You know, your ID card gives you access to buildings you're allowed to go into. It's your credit card. It's all the things you need in the game. And if you don't remember that you have to do that, you can even look at the vid screen, look at your videos, and then just leave your apartment almost everything you need to do is then locked because you can't buy the things you need to buy to move the story forward. You can't get into this building you need to get into because you don't have your ID. You can't even get back into your own apartment without knowing a trick uh, because you don't have your ID. I, <laughs> I knew that was coming and I still forgot it the first time I played this. I, I was wondering if that's how far someone got in there like, F this game. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> no, I, I haven't had a, an issue with that. Um, especially this, this, this time playing, I, I was, was very thorough before I left the apartment. Uh, but yeah, th- there are several points in the game and several branches and conversation where if you if you do the wrong thing, you can uh, you don't get a game over screen, but it it's over. Like it, you can you can screw yourself over in this game so many ways. Like you said earlier about using all those saves. Yes, you got you have to because you never know, and sometimes you'll you'll have a bit of conversation you'll do something and you'll keep moving along but you'll find there is nowhere to progress and uh the first many times i owned this game for a long stretch before i i played it all the way through and it was just it was just due to frustration it'd be one of those things where i would i would just get stuck and i would be like yeah you know what the hell with this Maybe I'll try it again one day. Maybe I won't. And and we'll sit it down. Because it's, it's, to me, that's a very frustrating thing. Um, is, is when the game's over, and you don't even know it's over. Like, it, it kill me. Throw a screen on there. Tell me a game over. This, that. Uh, but th- this game will let you linger on in misery, not knowing that, that you can't see it through. Yeah, I, I found that out pretty quick with this one. It was, <laughs> it was like, oh, this is... One of those games. <laughs> We're back at it again. But uh, I, you know, I, I feel like I kind of shortchanged myself because I, you know, now I'm just like, man, if I'd have played this back in the day on Sega CD, I would have not even made it like two hours in before I'd have given up on this. But then I have to remember that I literally beat Mist on my own without mm. a damn clue book somehow. And I, I did that on my, you know, back then on my own. And these days, there's no fucking way I can play more than an hour of Mist. Um, so, yeah. you know, maybe I, I would have had more patience with this kind of game back then. But at the same time, like, it was... I, I, I didn't play these kinds of games at all 
as a kid. So, you know, it, I, it, either it would have drove me insane or I would have been intrigued by the fact that, oh, I've, I can't progress in the game any further, so I, I need to restart this and, and figure out what I did. I think we talked about this maybe offline, but at a certain point, or we talked about it earlier, but I think we talked about it offline if, if any of us made it this far. At a certain point in your story, you know, you, you build out these other areas, you find connections between this drug cartel and this, this kind of Chinese cult, and then, you know, you're pointed in the right direction to eventually, uh, you, you are getting too close to the scene. They kidnap your girlfriend, and you've got to go save her, but also you have to save an informant who's been helping you out. And the game will immediately switch. It's like, oh, meet, meet me at the old reservoir. So you go to the reservoir, and all of a sudden it switches to the scene. Uh, it is a side-scrolling action platforming section. Um, you have a gun. You can shoot people. You can run and jump. It is exactly what you'd expect when I tell you that you have a side-scrolling platformer. Now, in 1991, I will tell you, when this happened in this game, I didn't know it was coming. If you look on the back of the box, on any version of this game, there's no side-scrolling sections. Instead, it has a picture of that guy melting. Uh, and it also has like just the, the standard screen of an adventure game. So I had no idea this was coming, and I was thrilled beyond belief. I didn't have, on the Amiga, a ton of action platformers. I had some of the Psygnosis stuff, like like um, Shadow of the Beast and some of the others, but like a lot of the games I had were graphic adventures. That's more what my parents would buy us. And so we had a lot of those. We had some war games, some other stuff. So when this actually came to a side-scrolling action section, I didn't expect it. I didn't have a lot of games like that. And it looked really pretty on the Amiga. I was thrilled. And that was what I remembered. Literally, when this came through as, as Drew's recommendation, I was like, oh, yes, I can finally finish this game. I can finally see what else happens in this because I got to these side-scrolling sections before I was blown away. Uh, I will tell you, I got to them now, and I could not believe how just incredibly basic and uninteresting these side-scrolling sections are. God almighty, this game dies a death on these sections. <laughs> it is just... A, yeah, and I was just completely enthralled with these. And, and as a kid, doubly, because it's like, oh my God, this is like a, a whole other game. Yeah, If it is like a whole other game, it is like the most basic. Like you're saying, th this is just cookie-cutter side-scrolling shooter this is you know enemy shoots at you move shoot back they're dead rinse repeat there is no excitement no these. there's no strategy to these there, there's nothing uh this is just it, it's fair and i it, i remember it being so fun playing through originally and now it's just like this is the weakest part of the game this it just feels like a filler it, yeah, to get you from from one spot to the other, I could have done without it. Um, it's it's just more jarring than anything else, and it is in a and it's it's pretty damn tough <laughs> to be to to get the distinction of being the the part of a point and click game that drags. But this is if if you would believe the side scrolling shooting section drags more than pointing and clicking. Uh, all over this game um it, it's 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 true it's it's completely unnecessary um i i can appreciate you know trying to throw in a different type of gameplay but i mean fucking bayou billy did that too and we know how that turned out um yeah, well, would just, you would you rather have this or would you rather have the incredibly bad light gun <laughs> thing that it tries to do God. because it does that too it does that too stick to pointing stick to clicking 
you, 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 you've got that nailed down pretty good. Um, don't do anything else. Yeah, this game, it, it, it does fall in that doing too much territory. And it, it's, so, it's so amusing to look back because I, I know me back in 1993 was like, holy, I, I was probably losing my mind that this game was doing so many things. Uh, but it is just, it's, it's, it's grown worthy now. Um, it's, it's not good when this game deviates from, from just its, its regular gameplay. Um, yeah, that was, that was the biggest part for me. That was one of the things I was most interested to see because I, I look back on that so fondly. Um, and man alive, it, 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 that part did not age well at all. Yeah, it, it aged about as well. It aged about as well as the the fucking Chinese accents game did. That, that's true. That's actually very accurate. And I, I can kind of see it in some ways because if you are a person who likes point and click adventures, and that's what you would pay what fifty dollars for, or whatever, you probably aren't. You may not be the best at platforming sections, so you don't want to make a game that's so hard that the people your core audience would be would be like, "Well, I get to this part where there's a side-scrolling action section, and then I just die, and I can't get through the game. I'll never see the ending." Um, but instead it becomes, yeah, it's, it's, it just seems unnecessary. I think for pacing, it's interesting because it makes it feel more urgent. Like, oh, I'm going to actually save this guy. You know, there it is. The, the music picks up. It's a little faster, but it's still like just in the world of platforms. If the game was just those, if there was a game that was, you know, they cut all the rest out, made it, made it, uh, you know, anime sequences. And then you had these action segments. It would be the most disappointing side-scrolling action game ever. Um, that said, I, I don't think it ruins the game, but it's definitely a low point for the game. I didn't even mind the point and click slash light gun-ish area. That's not bad. It's fine. Um, again, I would have played this original with a mouse and you just have to go all over the screen real quick. And it, it does, again, it gives you a sense of urgency. I didn't mind it, but, uh, but they definitely did not age as well as, as the rest of the game. I think, I mean, I, I know Jeremy didn't finish this game. Um, I did. I got to the to the end of this one because I had to look up a few things, but I, I was able to get through it. And I don't know exactly where my my like what I exactly got stuck on because every time I look something up, it's like, oh, that's very obvious. And I just didn't have the time because I was trying to review it for this podcast. I would definitely, if I would have had this on Sega CD and and you know sat there and worked on it, I say that knowing that I didn't finish it on the Amiga about a year earlier. Um, but on the Sega CD, I only had a handful of games, so I would have <laughs> I would have focused on this a lot more because why not finish it? Um, but I, I still think you have that action sequence, and then the game goes back to the traditional adventure for a few sections that I that are actually very difficult because the game now has kind of a built-in time limit. You have to make sure you go through these rooms quick enough, or the police show up and kind of throw you out of the building and can get you locked out uh, from being able to continue. Uh, and you have to go back to a previous stage. That, that's more my frustration with this, is not that the action se- sections are a little subpar. I, I was okay with that. It's very frustrating to play a game like this where there are so many ways to not just lock yourself out like I, like I did towards the end uh, on a run where I could not get to the last section again. I had managed to leave a building I didn't mean to leave, and I couldn't get back in. Um, but also, you can die. There's many ways to actually die in this game, and if you don't save enough, you have to start over. Or if you've saved up for a certain point, you've just guaranteed yourself instant death towards the end. So you you know, that's, it's very frustrating. Even with three saves, I, I ended up having to restart at least once because I got kind of locked in a cycle there. So it, it many games do this better, but I think the, pla- the, the actual, like, the cinematic ability of the game, the, the way that, like Jerry mentioned, the art style is really good. We, we talked about it, but the, there are several characters who essentially melt right in front of you and have really cool graphic effects. Those still look cool, and those looked incredible yeah. in 1991. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, it's it's things like that. Um, graphically, like I was saying before, um, and I didn't know until I was kind of kind of reviewing the other other ports of it from or the original versions rather, with this being a port, um, that this one is is toned down a little bit in the graphics part, but there's still stuff here that looks so good. There, there's a lot to enjoy with this game. Um, I, we, I just got done ragging, ragging on that part, the side scroll and all that, but it, it's harmless. I, it's, it's a little, it's a little boring <laughs> and it's a little stand, you know, kind of plain Jane, but it's, it's, it's still, it's not damning by any means. Um, my biggest complaint with this game, I, maybe that, maybe the, um, Kind of, we talked about the way you can kind of soft lock yourself out and continue playing, not knowing that your 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 time on there is is, is numbered, you know. Um, and and also, I I I just remembered this game being a lot bigger as far as the world. Um, I I just remember there being a lot more variety, and there is between you know uh, you can either go here or there. Um, but it's it's definitely a little bit more linear of a game than I recalled it being. Uh, but one thing I will say is this game definitely has one of the grimiest, dirtiest, scummiest fucking bars <laughs> in video game history. Uh, it, it it will make you sick if you linger there long enough. Um, but the game does it it does a great job of of making this you know look like a future that you do not want to be in. Um, you know, unless you're a big, big seer shopper, um, I mean, there, there's still that in the future for you, but otherwise it is just, it's, it, it does a great job of getting across what it is. It looks good. Um, it sounds good. Um, questionable accents aside, a lot of the voice acting is serviceable. Uh, it's, 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 yeah, I, I think it's a little bit, it's a little ham fisted, a little, it's a little cheesy, but I think that kind of goes with the game. It goes with the time. Uh, it, uh this kind of game, it, it's, it's been done better. Uh, Jeremy mentioned Snatcher early on, which is the, the, the high bar. I, I do, I do, <laughs> I do rank that one a little bit over this one. Um, but it, there's so much good stuff here. Um, but man, you you've got to be a point and click fan, this, uh, or interested in point and click games. I, this might be a good entry level point and click. Uh, but there's it's it's serious. I, there's there's not a lot of humor to derive from this game. Intentional humor uh, to go from Monkey Island to this. My God, it's 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 night and day. Um, but it just it's it does its thing and. When it doesn't do its thing, like fucking shooting levels and all that, it's it's you want it to just get back to that. So I, I I was I'm I'm happy that when when looking back on it, I, I have a lot of good things to say and, and just a little bit of bad. And I, this is one of those games that on down the line, I'm probably going to pop in again. I'm probably going to play again. Yeah, it's just it's it's one of those that you, you want to get on every now and then. It, it has a lot of nostalgic value to me, you know, because I, I it's one of those games where I, I distinctly recall picking it up. I remember the first few times playing through it. Um, so games like that are always really neat to to go back and and play again. Um, but yeah, there there were just some things that that didn't quite hit the same, but other things like you're talking about those like, God, those things 
well, incredible. Still incredible. There's so many things about this that are still good to this day. I've been in a few Sears that are just as grimy as that bar. So, mm. you know, maybe maybe God it does almighty. actually, you know, fit in with the Rise of the Dragon scene. Maybe that, is, maybe that was a Sears. <laughs> it's, it's possible. Um, you know, I, I, the last few, <laughs> there, there, few there. months. <laughs> of Sears being around, I probably not too far off. There, somewhere in the corner of that place, there's there's an, an old person arguing that they that they had seen advertised a buy one get one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this is this is a cool little game. It's it's not my cup of tea, you know, as far as adventure or point and click games go. Uh, like I mentioned, I'm definitely more of the uh, the Monkey Island kind of person. Mm -hmm. But you know, for what this is, it's it's really cool, and uh, this would have been a hell of a game if if you were one of the few that owned a Sega CD back in the day. Uh, you know, at, le at least something you could be like, "Damn, this this actually seems like it can only be on the Sega CD and and not any other system right now besides a computer." So yeah, it's it's fine. It's, you know, you've got to deal with the fail states and you know the the real just grimy look outside of just you know the art style. But yeah, overall, like this is it's it's a neat little game, and uh, I I would have probably at least been enthralled with with just the art style alone back in the day, and and just you know how dirty everything looks. That's that's something I think a lot of games just don't ever get right anymore. It's just like give me a dirty looking game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about Silent Hill that did it really good. I've been playing Diablo Four. My God, that is the dirtiest. Just most moist looking nastiest game mm -hmm. I think I have ever played. Mm -hmm. Like you just, you need to take a bath after you walk around in that game for more than five minutes. It's, uh, it's just a, an art style that is not done enough. And I think this one, you know, mixes that kind of blade runner theme with, with that awesome you know, comic book graphic novel style. It, it's so well done. And, and that alone is, is worth checking out in my opinion. Now, normally at the start of these episodes, I kind of tell you a little bit about who made the game, who published the game, because I like throwing out facts. I didn't this time, not because I forgot, but because I thought it was better to end the episode with that. So this is oh developed by Dynamics, who made a whole bunch of, of games uh, that we've talked about on, on other formats, but plenty of PC games. They're now defunct. Uh, in 2001, they, they went out of business. I think a lot of their assets were bought by Sierra and then sold to other people. Um, they, they did make a sequel to this, sort of. It's a, not a sequel as much as a like a continuation of this kind of theme called Heart of China uh, that I actually never played. It was not ported anything mm. else. I would love to try that someday. But this game came out in 1990 uh, for, for the computers and 1992 for the Sega, or 1992 for the Sega CD. Uh, one year later, their very next release came out in 1991 for a computer and 1993 for the Sega CD. And it is also a dirty, nasty game that makes you want to take a bath after you play. But we've talked about it. It's The Adventures of Willie Beamish. Oh, my God. That makes you want to take a bath for a different reason. <laughs> what a jump. What? Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, that is maybe dirtier. Um, <laughs> my God. From from the from the mean streets of of this of Rise of the Dragon to goddamn semen grandpa, this company, uh, Jesus, I had no clue, no clue at all. Uh, I, damn, they took a that's a big step down. This is, this is ages beyond Willie Beamish. I wonder if originally Willie Beamish had a side-scrolling shooting level. They had to <laughs> they had to cut it out. 
maybe maybe grandpa had a side scrolling shooting level in it who knows So that's our thoughts on Rise of the Dragon, the Sega CD version, although it, the same things would apply to the computer version, except they didn't have any talking. Um, if you, much like Drew, want us to cover your game, the best way to do that is to go to Retrovania.net and you'll find a link to our Patreon, which gives you access to not only forcing us to cover your game, but plenty of bonus episodes, three per month. We have over 100 bonus episodes already, and you get immediate access to that by joining our Patreon. But more importantly than our Patreon, is on Retrovania.net after you go past our Patreon link and all our social media links to see what cool things we're doing out there on Twitter. Not a lot. Uh, you can go to the very bottom, and there is a question form where you can ask any question you want, and we will answer it on the mm. show like we're going to do right now. We are, and we've got a lot to go through here, people, because, again, the backlog has, has caught up with us, and uh, we need to get the wagon out here and get mm. all the questions on here and, and clean things out because... Uh, it's it's getting dire up in here, and we're gonna start off with uh, Arizon, and he's writing in to to know about rules and food. Hello, I discovered your show on Spotify, the Jackie Chan Action Kung Fu episode, mm. and I listened to all of the episodes from number one, and now I'm all caught Ugh. up. I'm sorry, I'm we sorry. We don't have any sort of achievement to give you for that, but you know we're always excited when people manage to do that. Did you make up any rules before starting the podcast, like how much time must be spent on a game, depending on how awful it was, like General Chaos, since I'm sure nobody could put more than yeah. five minutes into that. <laughs> also, what was your favorite snack at the arcade? I, com I compliment them. I, and not necessarily on their taste of games, but knowing when, um, when a game is shitty and when it needs to be called out on it. That, that's, that's all I wanted to start off with. Yeah, we, we didn't really make any rules on how much time we have to spend on a game in general when we started this. Uh, I was aiming for keeping an episode to half an hour, 45 minutes, but uh, that was before we had mail. That's before we had you know a lot we want to talk about. We were kind of just going to focus on the game and not even really talk about what we've been playing or anything else. So, you know, now it's kind of like if, I, if we can talk about a game for half an hour to 45 minutes about just game content, I feel pretty good about it. But it really depends. I mean, some games don't need that much time. Some games need more time. It really, I, it, the rule now is is more just until we feel like we've said what we need to say about the game and then we move on. Uh, but when we started, I guess I was trying to make sure we could have at least half an hour on an episode. I didn't want to have a, a five-minute episode about how bad General Chaos was. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I know you picked that solely, Jeremy. That You, you made that up. He didn't put that in the letter. There's no way anyone hates General Chaos as much as Billy and I. But... Uh, but still, there was no real rules to that. Uh, as far as snacks in the arcade, I don't believe I was ever allowed to have snacks in an arcade. I guess the closest you get is like a Chuck E. Cheese or a Showbiz Pizza, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where you can kind of walk around with stuff. But otherwise, um, much like now at home, I will not eat any food that leaves any kind of film or residue on my hands if I'm playing a video game. I won't eat Doritos. I won't eat buttered popcorn. I definitely won't eat anything that's chocolatey that could get on the controller. Hell no. Uh, so in an arcade, I follow the same policy because I don't want to go uh, and play a, an arcade game where the knob is all slippery. Don't like it. Don't want to do that. Right, Jeremy, Jeremy Pete is not like a slippery knob. Let it be known. Um, yeah, my, myself, um, I, I swear my arcade did not... Uh, the arcade I usually went to didn't have any, any kind of snacks or anything like that. And it was in a mall. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to go to the food court. And you're not, you're not going to walk in there with a whole-ass food court order. 
Uh, the closest thing would be maybe the, the roller skating rink there. Uh, and I mean, in that case, I mean, we're like get you a big thing of nachos, maybe get you an old square piece of pizza. Um, yeah, yeah. And have at it. You, you finish your square pizza while you're waiting in line to play that fucking that four player X-Men. Just just wait it out. Take that thing down. But that's about it. Like I, um, most of my arcade experiences, they they were not places that allowed um, snacks. Smoking, you can smoke all you want. Shit, smoke your heart's content. You better not bring any damn chips in here, though. I was gonna say, like the the main snack at my arcade was cigarettes. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it really yeah. wasn't anything else, uh, and and for damn good reason because you know the, those <laughs> arcade owners didn't want kids coming in there with their fucking drinks and and hot dogs mm-hmm. and shit. Um, actually the, the only time I ever remember having snacks around an arcade machine was at the skating rink that, yeah. that I went to for like my stepmom's work event or something. Mm-hmm. And like, we went around like nighttime and I went in there and I would, I didn't give a shit about skating, but they had a four player Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cabinet yes. over there. And I was like, God damn, that's all I want to do. And so by the time I, you know, was able to, to get away from my, my dad, my stepmom and go over there this fat piece of shit had a fucking hot dog not even in a container just a hot dog laying on the the cabinet a loose dog yeah a loose fucking it had the bun on it but just laying there (laughs) and then they had the fucking uh nachos you know the the shit like that in the container and it was you you could see where he had dipped it in the nacho cheese and the cheese (laughs) had now trailed across the machine across the buttons and like he was just jamming his fingers into the buttons. I was like, it was the grossest shit. I was like, well, I don't, I really want to play Turtles, but I don't want to play it this fucking much. But I, yeah. I'm almost ashamed to say my goddamn mouth's watering now, too, though. <laughs> well, Hot dog dipped in nacho cheese. Yeah. I mean, you can just, we, we can all go take a field trip to the skating rink one night. Mm hmm. I'd I'm sure they got more than a few cigarettes in there these days. <laughs> we, can, we can go with just um, pockets full of uh, un, unbunned hot dogs. That would be... <laughs> <laughs> God. Loose dogs everywhere you look. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks, Arizona. Um Again, we, we don't really play these games any more than, than we feel like we need to. You know, I Of course, I play General Chaos all the time as a kid. But um, you know, it, it, if it's too much for these guys to handle or even me, you know, we just kind of stop and and see where we're at. So we, it's not anything that's set in stone these days. So yeah, thanks for writing in. Next question comes from Triple D, aka Donkey Dick Dave. Oh boy! And, and uh, if you if y'all don't remember on a previous episode, Donkey Dick Dave uh, single handedly submitted these the worst question we've ever had. <laughs> and uh, at this point, my my brain has forcibly made me forget what it was about but i remember something about donkey kong dicks but that's okay because donkey dick dave is actually back for clarification on that question great thank god here we go i can can finally sleep yep what's up boys my last message was unclear (laughs) so i'm going to reframe it for you if a video character if a video game character was sent to kill you who would you fear the most coming to get you yeah, who would who would be the most even battle that you may or may not survive? Remember, they are not anima- they are not an animated figure. Picture them as a realistic being. Sincere- sincerely, Triple D, hope you survive. 
So, okay, so someone's coming to kill us. Who are we? Would we be the most afraid of? Who would you be the most afraid of in like a a realistic character? I guess like a I, real life person. Oh my god! Oh shit! And one that I think I could take. Yeah, or one that would be a close fight. Not not like yeah. you know Kirby. Princess Peach. I get goddamn Peach. I I could maybe take down. Uh, shit, I don't know. Fucking, who would I be the most afraid of? That it's it's. That's probably the fucking urban champion. I, I've seen what that man can do with left and fucking right hands and, and not much else. High punches, low punches. He'd have his way with me. He'd come to get me. But I don't know. If, if you translate him into real life, that Bowser would be pretty goddamn scary. I would imagine. Uh, but no, as far as ones I could take, or I think would be an even match, you give me Glass Joe from Punch-Out. And I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I could wear Glass Joe's ass out. I think I'd be coming to get him. And I'm glad there's clarification on this because the the whole thing of changing coming to get you to coming to kill you um, put a whole new light on this. Um, a a little bit more com- weeks, a little more comfortable light on it. Um, to be honest, I, I think most video game characters translated to real life would be pretty damn frightening anyway. But throw somebody in there like a Donkey Kong, throw a Bowser. I'm just thinking Nintendo, basically. Just to, God, make it at least slightly easy. Um, I, I think but just even damn Ganondorf, the pig version of Ganon, would be horrifying. There, there's so many, but it's, uh, the one I'm certain about as far as an even match or one I think I could win, fucking Limp Dick Glass Joe. Throw him in there. Throw him in there. I'll hand him like an unbunned hot dog. I'll take care of him. It'll be over. Uh, for char- for ones I'd be afraid of, that would be the most terrifying, even though it's kind of a cheese answer because they'd be terrifying even in electronic form. But in, you know, Pyramid Head is still terrifying. I think if you ran into him in real life, especially knowing like in the movie how he tears that woman inside out, I would be done. That would be it. I'd be terrified of that. Uh, I, I think Glass Joe's a good answer uh, for, for the one you could probably take down. Where am I um, yeah, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think of who, like, like what would be a, not not a gimme, but not too hard. Like, you know, I'm looking through my Nintendo games even, and like, well, you know, I could pick any of those Mega Man bosses, but no, they would just destroy you. They have guns that, that shoot fire and ice. I would, I would die immediately if those were real life. You think you could whip those ice climber kids? I don't know. They seem to, they, they seem very athletic. They have a very high jump. They would be able to terrify right. me. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, you know who I'd take? Parappa the Rapper. I'd take him down. That's me, me versus Parappa the Rapper. Yeah, We're done. He, he did have that He did have that kung fu training. He did, but then he sees uh, like a cooking show when he has to go to the bathroom. So I think I could take yeah. him. I could take him. Sorry, Man. I accidentally muted myself because I refused to <laughs> answer this question. Jeremy, who, who's coming to get you? <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I, I was trying to think, and lately, a fucking Blanca from the new Street Fighter Six, like he looks nightmarish in this new one mm-hmm. and he looks realistic enough in that game and there's mm-hmm. just something about him that makes me incredibly uncomfortable like i've, mm. I've always been a fan of blanca in in previous games mm-hmm. he always kind of looked you know kind of comic bookish you know cartoony he don't in this one he looks very yeah. realistic and it's it's ugh. it's ugh. his face it's his face isn't good it's not yeah, bad but it's... it makes he looks like a person i don't like yeah it. yeah it, you know, that's that's what I guess you know the 
theme of this this question is like who would look the the craziest or or most disturbing in real life? And I guess Blanca because that mm-hmm. that answered my question right there. Um, as for somebody that would I'd be able to take down, I you know I'd I'd probably go with Zero Suit Samus um, because she would she would ultimately take me down. But you know I in the end I would win in my own way. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go with that one. But yeah, thanks for uh, writing in. Donkey Dick Dave and clarifying. Uh, I truly appreciate the amount of uh, D's that you put in your D's nuts email address. Really appreciate it. Uh, anyway, come next up is from uh, bleh, next up is from Brimstone, and uh, he's wanting to know about lost saved games. Oh Hello, middle aged but still handsome gentleman. Why? Oh, thank you. Oh my god, that's what my mom always says. Last week, I listened to, listened to some old episodes, including Super Black Bass for the Super NES. I know, mm-hmm. that's the reaction we all have. Mm-hmm. In my younger years, I worked in a movie rental store where you could also rent video games. My boss made me call the people who didn't return their stuff every <laughs> weekend. Unfortunately, Billy's uncle was not one of the people because I no. lived in the Netherlands. We had oh, protocol God. to become more unfriendly to the thieves as time went on. <laughs> The so maybe, maybe Billy's uncle just was unfriendly to kids who had no idea how the world actually works. No, People wish confirmed, me... <laughs> uh, but but to his defense, he was unfriendly to all. <laughs> People wished me dead more than I can recount, but I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. Keep going, man. Now I really hope that Billy's uncle is still alive, and that maybe we can call him and ask him again. When that goddamn Super Black Bass Super NES game is coming back home. Oh, man. But now, on to the question that actually matters. In 2023, autosaves and cloud storage are the standard. The current kids have no idea with how much force you had to guard your memory card back in the PlayStation 1 days. What's your most horrible experience with a lost save game? I myself once lost a save game from Final Fantasy VIII that I had literally pumped hundreds of hours into. Mm -hmm. The memory card only gave an error, and I could feel my life force flowing out of my body. Shared sorrow makes makes life bearable, so I'm curious about your experience. Don't ever stop the show, and please do make a fighting game special. Warm regards from the Netherlands. P.S. Billy, your uncle is a thief. Uh, Hey, (laughs) that's one of the nicer things you can say about him. Um, but no, he, he is no longer with us. Um, he, he took that game to the grave. I, I think I might actually, I might have it now. Um, and I mean, if I can come get it, that's all I can say. He did outlive Blockbuster though. I, I was happy enough to see that, you know, except for that one that still, that has remained open. But, uh, he did outlive Blockbuster. So I, I mean, if you're, if you outlive a company when it dies, I mean, that, that, that game is his now. He he died not a thief any longer. Uh, but no, my I think I've actually spoke of this one, and I'm going to bring it up again. Usually when there's a similar question, or I'll come up with another example, but no, this is the most glaring, um, glaringly painful save state loss. I've spoke of it once before, once or twice, and you, you mentioned Final Fantasy VIII. Mine was with, with Final Fantasy VII. And I was using uh, one of those off-brand memory cards. That one that could hold an ungodly amount on it. It was like four memory cards in one. Oh, those were the worst. Bu- 
<laughs> yeah, it had a little button on the front. You can go A, B, C, D, and each one was like a full-blown memory card. And it was like, oh, my God, I, I, I'll never fill this thing up. Well, I never did because every now and then it would empty itself. And I played Final Fantasy VII hours, hours upon hours. I had a save game. It was my thing to come home from school, finish up homework, put a few hours in. And I had a save right before, right before I'm, I'm in the, I'm, I'm right. You get that tent where you can make a save as you're in the the damn caverns, getting ready to fight that last fight, the last fight of the game. And I had a good save point. Uh, You know, I, I, I would get back from that save. Maybe like 30 seconds later, I'd be there at the fight. I didn't finish it that night. It's like, all right save and i was so excited at school because i knew when i got home i was going to finish final fantasy 7 and i got on uh to find nothing there in the way of a save game um i, I double checked i hit all those ridiculous fucking buttons on the memory card check every aspect of it nothing there nowhere to be found um and uh, i i was I was distraught as hell. Uh, it, it literally was a year before I picked that game up again <laughs> and played through it. Like, there were so many other games that came out since then. And I was like, all right, I guess we'll do this. And just every now and then, with what spare time I had, I limped through Final Fantasy VII just because I was just, I was so hurt from losing that much progress and to be right there at the end for that memory card to give out on me. Um, but that was, you know, that 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 was a big lesson that I, I think most of us had to learn about a about a, a good old third party memory card wasn't wasn't always quite the deal you thought. Now I think because of my age at the time, I worked in a game store. Like I was old enough to have a job mm-hmm. in a video game store at the launch of the PlayStation and the Saturn and the the memory card era of video games. So I knew. Yeah. Don't buy off brands. I mean, there was every time there was an off brand card, we'd get tons of returns. There's all these horror stories. So I actually have no terrifying horror story of losing a game, save necessarily. But that's only because one on the current on those systems at that time, I bought name brand you know memory cards. Didn't have an issue with those. But also, I had already had a much much worse situation. Not only did you have to worry about on the Nintendo era and and even up to that point uh, for 16 bit stuff, if it had passwords getting a password where you wrote down one of the letters mm-hmm. and numbers wrong. And then you wouldn't know it didn't work until you tried to put it back in, and then it didn't work. And then you lost all the progress you put in. Now, again, those weren't 100-hour games normally. It wasn't losing a Final Fantasy VIII save 100, 300 hours in, whatever. But instead it was like, oh, man, I got through this really tough level. I've got this password. I'll come back to this later. And you put it back in, and it doesn't work, and you have to start from scratch, and it made you Ugh. just violently angry. But even worse yeah. than that... Um, Because that happened to me a a ton of times on games. Metroid was one that happened to me on where I finally... You know, the original Metroid is a game that I think is still really good. But after playing the the remade version of it on Zero Mission and also just the the newer Metroid games, uh, the original Metroid really didn't tell you a damn thing. It just left you there and said, figure it out. There's no map in the game. You have to draw Mm -hmm. your maps out. And like... So when you finally get far enough in that game, it's a, it's an accomplishment. And to get far enough to beat, you know, Ridley or Crater, both of them, and be towards the end, and then your password doesn't work, and you have to kind of remap it all out again, and fear, oh, infuriating. But worse than that is back to uh, discs era. Five and a quarter mm, inch discs, mm-hmm. or three and a half inch discs. 
I would have games that I would put months and months of time into. And then I would load the game in and you would put the disc back in. This is pre-CD-ROMs. And all of a sudden it would say your disc is corrupt. And not only can you have lost your file, you've lost the entire game. You could have spent, you know, months and months working on this game. And then the game itself just no longer works. That happened to me for a bunch of games on Amiga specifically uh, that I put tons of time into. And then eventually those games would just die. Now, some of those games were trash. Um, I I think my copy of the Three Stooges that happened too. And you know what? That was probably a gift. But other games uh, would do the same thing. I get far enough and all of a sudden the stave would just stop working. The, The entire disc would stop loading and I would lose that game completely. I could never play it again. So comparatively, just losing a save, while it is a tragic uh, event, uh, losing a game forever that at that point in time, there was no internet, there was no way to like easily get copies of games if they're out of print. It was, it was the worst possible thing that could happen. And it happened to me fairly often enough. So by the time we got to the PlayStation era, I was like, nope, I'm buying name bearing cards. I'm going to be very careful. And I never, thankfully, had a terrible uh, lost save story. Hmm. I, I didn't really either because I always just bought the, you know, the first party memory cards from Sony. So that, that wasn't a thing. My brother actually had a very similar story to Billy's. He lost his Final Fantasy save um, on one of those, you know, 2X memory cards or something. And I believe uh, his, his only response was to just cry when that happened. <laughs> and it's, I, I, he kind of, still kind of sheds a tear to this day whenever he tells the story. But I wanted to ask you guys if this has ever happened to you, because this happened to me a few times back before memory cards when we were renting games. Um, it, there was kind of this un, it, unheard uh, un, you know, rule of if you are renting a, a game that has save files on it, uh-huh. you know, it, it was kind of like, okay, here's, here's this one kid, here's the other kid, and here's the other kid. There can be three spots. But, like, uh, if you had, like, each kid, you know, it was obvious they were continuing their save file from, a, you know, a previous rental, then you kind of, you, you didn't mess with it. You always went to that blank one or something, you know, or the one that hadn't been messed with in a long time. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, between the three of you or so, that it's obvious you guys were always renting it and, you know, you wanted to continue it. But then there'd always be this one asshole that would rent it and save over all three of them <laughs> or something. It would be like the entire thing completely overwritten by this one kid that just wanted to save and just to be an asshole or something like that. And that happened to me several times. Um, a, a few actual RPGs, like uh, Square RPGs, Final Fantasy VI was one of them. Um, I, I'd, I'd rented that like three or four times, came back, and everything was gone. And it was... It, it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. when that happens. But, you know, back in the day, you couldn't just afford a game to, you know, go out and buy the full thing. You just had to rent it and hope for the best. Did, did anything like that ever happen to you guys? I, I, I've had that happen. Uh, I, I, you really, you roll the dice, though. You know, especially if it was a popular game and it was going through a heavy rotation. Like, I, I think I was more pleased. Like, I was more surprised than anything if my save was still there. But, yeah, that was definitely one of those things you would rent it and- just hope you would just hope but yeah it, it was etiquette it was etiquette if there was an empty slot yes you take that slot uh the, barring anything else yeah if it had the times on it you, you pick the one that wasn't getting used that much and i guess in the last case like you would pick the one that hadn't progressed the further you know because if they pick it up again they don't have yeah this was like it was, was kind of etiquette things that you did uh and yeah some people some people did not follow that 
uh, at all. See, I, I, I fell victim to that a little bit every now and then. Not that bad. Um, I, I think mainly because I didn't, uh, that was during the phase I was not playing a ton of RPGs, and it, it may have been because of the Final Fantasy story I just shared. Um, so I, I would try to pick something up I thought I could finish over the weekend, but there were some chance there were some times where I wouldn't, and it was it was not often that my save was still sitting there waiting for me. Uh, I didn't have a lot of rentals that had saves on them, but what I did have was two brothers uh, who mm. would intentionally save over my games, or the worst being if you have they would have friends sleep over, and then I would notice that their friends created saves and saved over my games, because then you can't even do anything no. about it. They're not even at your house anymore. Your brothers are like, yeah, yeah, they didn't save over mine. They saved over your game. You're like, you sons of bitches. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I did have that experience, but not with random people. It said people I could see every day and enrage me. Yeah, that stuff's always fun. Uh, but yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for writing in Brimstone. And uh, man, this next question, Billy, I'm gonna. This is your fault. Where is it? Here it is. What's happening? This comes from Billiam Hollabilly. Mm, um, okay. He's, he's right. writing in about, yeah. about Super Billy Bass. Actually, this is for Jeremy. Has Jeremy still not caught a fish on Super Black Bass? <laughs> if not, I think he should make it his goal for the year. It's the billiest game of. It's the billiest game ever. Thank you yes. and good Billy. Yes. Yeah. I have. Have you? I have not. I have not caught. A, I have not touched Super Black Bass since our episode about Super Black Bass. And uh, well, that's you know your what? First mistake. You know what? I've got a vacation coming up, and I'm going to be taking only the ability to play a couple games we're supposed to be playing for this podcast are going to take some time. But I will have time on this vacation to try and capture a fish on uh, a capture fish. That's how good I'm going to be. I'm not going to catch. I'm going to capture it uh, on Super Black Bass. I'm going to attempt it again this summer. We'll see if it happens. I will update everybody uh, on this podcast. All right. Well, here's uh, another question like for Jeremy. And this one comes in from I'm Just Saying, and this is about the intro song. I was trying to find 8-Bitter on Spotify. I even looked up Subtastics on there, which I think I found, but sadly couldn't find the song. Is this song anywhere? Uh, yes, unfortunately, we were released that on a label that did not uh, push everything to Spotify, so there's a gray area on how we get it back up there. Um, but it is available on our Bandcamp site, subtastics.bandcamp.com. Uh, where you can get that whole it's a it's a it's called beta males it's a seven song ep and it's all available there thank you for writing that in other members of subtastics to help share where that, that would be located <laughs> and our next question comes in we're, we're in the lightning round here all oh, right oh here boy. we go <laughs> oh damn it this one comes from jeremy trumpeteer's cousin billy tromboner and uh, <laughs> we've hit that part of the episode guys we've hit it we there. it's it's here uh, it can't can't avoid it, uh, and uh, what's on their mind is honk, and uh, mm -hmm. the rest of the question is just mm -hmm. honk honk honk. Okay, that's it. Um, uh, <laughs> an excellent oh, an excellent man. request, an excellent an excellent listener mail honk honk to you. Okay. <laughs> next question comes in from the next question comes in from Tronkats. And uh, they're writing in to say, make your country proud. You have to represent America in the Olympics. What competitive game are you competing in for the U.S.? 
Any game that can be competitive, like racing, fighting, head-to-head, puzzle, but no single-player or speedruns. What's you guys' favorite competitive-style game? I, I, it have to be Mario Kart, or actually, um, if I, if I, if they need somebody to take home the gold, I, I'd have to get on the NBA Jam, I guess. Super Nintendo version to be exact. I would have some rules that need to be put into place to guarantee a victory. Uh, that Super Nintendo version of NBA Jam, I am more confident in myself in than than any other game. Um, that's because I. I I wouldn't trust myself with any fighting game, anything like that. Don't put me in a Street Fighter don't, or a Smash, anything of that that nature. Uh, I'm not going to be able to out-Tetris somebody. Um, but fucking the jam, we might be, we, we'll end up on the podium. Yeah, I'd have to say, we've all learned that for fighting games, I'm not the guy. And if there's a series that I'm more set uh, than fighting other than Black, Super Black Bass, uh, it would be driving games, realistic driving games. That's a bad choice. Uh, I would have to say you want to throw me in as your your country's offering for the Choo Choo Rocket gold medal. I'm there. I'm the <laughs> number one competitor that I know for Choo Choo Rocket. Uh, the, the other option I was thinking of is maybe Trap Gunner. <laughs> uh, if they have uh, an entry for Power Stone... Count me in. Ooh. I, I think I could easily you know, get on the podium for that one. But I, you know, fighting games in general, I, I think that would probably be my best bet with maybe maybe driving games. Like, I really enjoy competitive driving games. So, yeah, that, that wouldn't be too bad. And finally, we're going to go with this last question that I just lost. Here it is. Hmm. This one comes in from Jimmy Redders. He's like wanting to tell us that we're a top podcast. Bam. Cindy gave this from lovely MoCap in England. Oh, MoCap? M-O-W? I don't know. Just wanted to say absolutely love the podcast. As an old bastard myself, I love hearing fellow old bastards talking about how good games used to be. Love it, lads. Keep up the good work. You make my commute to work and back tolerable. Genuinely mean that as well. And there we go. We are going to end it. Oh man, stroking ourselves off oh my with the questions. <laughs> have we have we ever ended on a high note? Uh, we are like this, this time because we had Donkey Dick Dave and Billy Tromboner. So this yeah, is, man, we need to cool down. To and that was just a, a sincere thank you for the kind words. I I, I told you, I, I God damn it, I, I put the most into people that that enjoy us, and we we help pass time while they're on the road to work. Because I myself know if you don't have anything good to listen to, that is the absolute frizzling shits of the day. That, that's the worst time of the day, that driving to work. So it's always high praise when we're someone's preferred venture into work listen. And and damn, yeah, I can't believe we're going out on this note. Like, usually I, I, I take the headphones off and shut the computer down and kind of leave the room and my, my head's down. Usually shaking. Um, I, I'm going to step out of here with my head up high tonight. I can't believe it. Well, that's a great way to end an episode. We have more patron requests coming up. Our next episode should be another patron request. But also, if you like this show and you were busy thinking, like, I need, I have a longer drive to work. I need more episodes. How can I get more that's episodes right. of Retrovaniacs? <laughs> The, the way to do that is to join our Patreon. Again, there's over 100 bonus shows that will never be on this free feed. And if you're already a Patreon, well, then we love you and continue to do so. And we have more episodes coming on that as well. 
this month and this summer, and I forgot what I'm talking about, so we're going to call it a night. See you next time. <laughs> I got lost there. Lost there. <laughs> well, you, you found yourself in the end.